Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to A Sound Constitution on CHLY 101.7 FM with Ryan, Matt, Emily, Aminder, Alicia, and Matthew. We are third-year BSN students at Vancouver Island University in Nanaimo, BC. We are working to demystify health issues affecting our community, bringing you evidence-based information about our health care. This information is for educational purposes only and does not replace the advice of your primary health care provider. We would like to start our show by acknowledging that we are on the unceded territory of the Sinanamo people. Thank you for listening to 101.7 CHLY-FM. You are listening to A Sound Constitution with your hosts, Ryan and Alicia. Today we are covering the topic of depression as part of our Invisible Illness series. We decided to discuss depression specifically today because it's one of the most common mental illnesses that there are, and we believe it's especially uh, relevant in Nanaimo just because so many people experience the winter blues, there's lots of university students in the population, and the stress of that can often uh, contribute a little bit to it. We interviewed staff and students at the Vancouver Island University student residences to get their perspective on some aspects of depression and mental health in general. So uh, one, of the, one of the first questions we had for them is, what does depression mean to you? And Ryan's going to play some of those answers for you. I think for me, it really meant that I was stuck in a pit, like literally like the term depression, right? Stuck in a hole and... You're so deep that you can't really see the light coming in and everything just feels heavy, meaningless, uh, really tired, and uh, very great. To me, depression is the inability to function on a normal daily basis. It's where one person can't do their daily task and it affects them not mentally but also physically as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause a lot of times um, people, you know, when they wake up to when they go to bed, it's um, they either don't eat, they um, uh, don't focus. Uh, it could be a multitude of things, but it doesn't mean it's all of them. It could be specific parts of depression that affects them. Yeah. 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 Kind of a different experience for everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The word depression means uh, flight in the vein of like fight or flight. Um, depression is very much flight, uh, turning inward and hiding, uh, darkness, um, inability to allow yourself to be seen mm-hmm. and incredibly vulnerable. Depression to me, um, anyone who's not in a state of mind that's, they feel comfortable in, mm-hmm. as in like, if someone just feels down you know not necessarily down but as in like when they feel like when they feel helpless you know they feel like they've reached that point where they can't do something by themselves but they're not at the point where they're able to go and ask someone for help yeah so yeah that's depression to me the world health organization defines depression as a common mental disorder affecting more than 264 million people worldwide It's characterized by persistent sadness and a lack of interest or pleasure. It can also disturb sleep and appetite. Tiredness and poor concentration are common. Depression is a leading cause of disability around the world and contributes greatly to the global burden of disease. 
The effects of depression can be long-lasting or recurrent and can dramatically affect a person's ability to function and live a rewarding life. The World Health Organization also says that depression affects 1 in 10 American citizens in every single year and is one of the most debilitating conditions in the world, with severe depression rated in the same disability category as terminal stage cancer. Especially relevant to the Nanaimo area and the island in general is something called seasonal affective disorder. According to HealthLink BC, seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, is a type of depression that occurs during the same season each year. You may have SAD if you felt depressed during the last two winters, but felt much better in spring and summer. Some people may have SAD during the summer months as well. SAD is especially relevant in Nanaimo and across the island because of how dark and gray the weather often is in winter. So what does depression look like? We're going to take a moment here to go over some of those interviews again and hear their voices. Just a word of warning before we get into the interviews again, some of what's about to be said may be triggering. If you feel you need support, you can call the Vancouver Island Crisis Line at 1-888-494-3888. That is so tricky. As someone who actively hid how I felt for like 30 years, 25 at least, um, that's really hard because sometimes you can see it and sometimes you can't. And people become really good at um, false bravado and being able to appear happy when maybe they're not. Um, but I think, I think when you become familiar with the signs, what you can pick out in others would be not wanting to engage socially, um, a change in behavior from like, you know, many of us have varying degrees of introversion or extroversion, mm -hmm. but a change in behavior from how you would normally be. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps a lack of direct eye contact. And, um, and then I think it's uh, noticeable in actually the physical stance and whether you're, you're shoulders are rolled slightly inwards mm -hmm. and your your energy is that a bit low like that of feeling defeated it's hard like sometimes people will be really despondent other times people will be really angry sometimes um especially adolescents uh, often show depression uh in angry outbursts and stuff like that mm -hmm. um i think often as people get older it's more of the despondent kind of depression um, often people withdraw from their friends and family um, they don't do the things that they enjoy um, what happens really to my understanding is that for some reason the body as well as the brain really needs to rest for some very dire reason and the brain's response is to just force the individual to pretty much cut off all activity, all connections, and all that stuff, mm -hmm. and just totally shut down. Yeah. Depression in other people uh, is kind of hard because it varies for different people. So for some people, it might be easy to tell because they're, they're people who show their feelings. For, some, for other people, it might be kind of hard. For people like me, I don't really like showing my feelings, so mm -hmm. you can never really tell if I'm sad or anything like that. I just like to keep it to myself. But for the most part, especially for people who, like, 
if me and you, if you know me for a very long time, um, you should be able to at least tell or have some type of way of telling if I'm feeling depressed. Mm-hmm. Because even though I won't show my feelings, there's some telltale signs. Exactly. That, like, I'm feeling depressed or something. So, you know, just once you stay, um, once you keep an open mind and you continue to look for those signs or try to, you know, be helpful any way you can, then you always find, like, those signs, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, like, not eating properly is one of them. Uh, usually when people don't eat, um, they'll be like, oh, I'm not hungry or I'm full. Um, when, they're not, when they're not focusing, um, they're usually zoned out or they can't um, do simple tasks, like, write on a piece of paper. Um, usually they just have the inability to get out of bed. So it's more or less of just how they can do daily tasks rather than everything else, yeah. So what does depression look like? Depression is also sometimes referred to as the black dog, and the World Health Organization has an audio clip that kind of describes what it means. We're going to play it for you now. I had a black dog. His name was Depression. Whenever the black dog made an appearance, I felt empty and life just seemed to slow down. He could surprise me with a visit for no reason or occasion. The black dog made me look and feel older than my years. When the rest of the world seemed to be enjoying life, I could only see it through the black dog. Activities that usually brought me pleasure suddenly ceased to. He liked to ruin my appetite. Chewed up my memory and my ability to concentrate. Doing anything or going anywhere with a black dog required superhuman strength. At social occasions, he'd sniff out what confidence I had and chase it away. My biggest fear was being found out. I worried that people would judge me. Because of the shame and stigma of the black dog, I was constantly worried that I'd be found out. So I invested vast amounts of energy into covering him up. Keeping up an emotional lie is exhausting. Black Dog could make me think and say negative things. He could make me irritable and difficult to be around. He would take my love and bury my intimacy. He loved nothing more than to wake me up with highly repetitive and negative thinking. He also liked to remind me how exhausted I was going to be the next day. Having a Black Dog in your life isn't so much about feeling a bit down, sad or blue. At its worst, it's about being devoid of feeling altogether. As I got older, the black dog got bigger and he started hanging around all the time. I chased him off with whatever I thought might send him running. But more often than not, he'd come out on top. Going down became easier than getting up again. So I became rather good at self-medication, which never really helped. Eventually, I felt totally isolated from everything and everyone. The black dog had finally succeeded in hijacking my life. When you lose all joy in life, you can begin to question what the point of it is. Thankfully, this was the time that I sought professional help. This was my first step towards recovery and a major turning point in my life. If you're just tuning in now, you're listening to A Sound Constitution on CHLY 101.7 FM with your hosts Ryan and Alicia. Today's topic is depression, which ties into our overall season theme of invisible illnesses. If you would like more information, 
please visit us on our Facebook page or YouTube. I think that the interview clips and the audio clip from the World Health Organization have given you a great description of what depression looks like, but to go over a few of those and kind of summarize, I'll just say a few more. Depression signs and symptoms vary from person to person, and they can include feelings of sadness, tearfulness, emptiness or hopelessness, angry outbursts, irritability or frustration, loss of interest or pleasure in most or all normal activities, insomnia, changes in appetite, increased anxiety, agitation, or restlessness, slowed thinking, speaking, or body movements, feelings of worthlessness or guilt, trouble thinking, concentrating, making decisions, remembering things, frequent or recurrent mentions of death or suicidal thoughts or suicide attempts, and unexplained physical problems such as back pain or headaches, We're going to move on now to a segment we like to call Myths and Truths. During this segment, one of us is going to make a statement, and the other one is going to decide whether it is a myth or a truth. Then we're going to have a little discussion about it. So I suppose I will start. Uh, My statement is, depression isn't a real illness. Oh, I'm going to go a myth on that one. Depression is not simply a state of mind. Depression is real and a complicated mental illness, and it has social, psychological, and biological causes. You are absolutely right on that. Depression is indeed a very real disease of the brain chemistry within you. Um, It's a very common myth that it isn't a real illness, but um, the truth is that it very much so is, and there's a lot of scientific backing behind that. Yeah. All right. I'll go next. Um, Antidepressants always cure depression. I'm going to have to go with the myth on that one as well. Um, Antidepressants do alter the brain chemistry in a way that helps to fight biological sources of depression, but they are definitely not a be-all end-all solution for people. In a lot of cases, there's some exceptions to that, but um, usually depression is managed through a mixture of multiple therapies and one of the therapies can be through taking antidepressants yeah yeah of course and we're actually going to go over a couple of those therapies later on Um, just ways to support yourself and to support your peers your turn all right for mine i'm going to say you can't simply snap out of depression yeah um, i'm going to go with truth on that one I think that that's a common misconception and there's some stigma attached to it that it's in your head and you can kind of just walk your way out of it when you choose to. But uh, the reality is depression is is not something you can snap out of. It's not laziness or weakness. It's a real disease and it results from negative changes in brain chemistry. Absolutely. All right, I'll go next. Um, I'm going to go depression only happens because of sad situations. I'm going to say that is a myth. Um, It's true that depression can be worsened or triggered by sad events, such as a death or breakup, for example. But depression really can occur at any time for any person, even when life seems to be going completely well otherwise. Yeah, and I think that kind of ties into our um, touching on seasonal affective disorder as well. Because nothing has to has to be wrong, so to speak, for you to feel like something's not right. Yeah, absolutely. 
So uh, my next statement is going to be, if your parents have depression, so will you. Myth or truth? Hmm. I'm going to say that's a myth. I mean, family history is known to raise your risk of, you know, developing depression, just like a lot of other, you know, maybe more physical issues. But just because one or both of your parents have experienced depression doesn't mean that you will. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're right on that one. Um, depression is definitely, if, if you have parents or any kind of direct family who have a history of depression or really any other kind of mental illness, it does raise the risk, but it's by no means a guaranteed sentence that you're ever going to experience depression in your life. Anyone can or can't experience depression. Yeah. All right. So that leads me to your next one. Um, Antidepressants do not change your personality. I'm going to have to say that's absolutely true. Um, Yeah. Antidepressants do affect very targeted chemical balances in the brain, uh, which essentially means that the medications generally aren't going to have much effect on your personality beyond reducing symptoms of depression, just because like the scope of how they work on you from a chemical perspective is so narrow. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I could see maybe some changes in behavior because you're hopefully feeling a bit more energetic or you're feeling a bit less tired or getting some more sleep or having a bit of your appetite back. But so far, the science doesn't say anything about personality. For sure. All right, my next one. Talking about depression only makes it worse. Myth or truth? Oh, that's a big myth. I mean, we're we're coming on the heels of Bell Let's Talk Day, and I think that we've seen a really big shift in, in our community as well as our country that um, talking about it makes it makes it better. But let's let's go on the science here. And it says that silence may be the best option, but for others being able to speak about feelings in what is considered a safe or non judgmental environment can be really comforting. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're very right on that one. You're very, very right on that one. All right. Uh, oh, here's a good one for you. Men do not develop depression. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to say that one is a myth. Um, the, the truth behind that one is that in Canadian society, there's and Western society in general, there's a bit of an unfortunate societal pressure that causes many men to not feel very comfortable showing or discussing emotions. And obviously, it's, it's different for everybody, but there are definitely some who are raised with a more traditional perspective that men aren't allowed to show that they're struggling. So as a result, some people don't actually believe that men can even experience depression, but that is actually entirely untrue. And according to the World Health Organization, there's only a slightly lower percentage of men who experience depression compared to women worldwide. Well, it's got to be hard, you know, coming from a situation of of gender roles where Habitually speaking, women are are seen more emotional and men are seen more stoic to have to not only overcome that, but then come to terms with your feelings and how to express those feelings, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We're going to play you a song now. It's 
actually one that I wrote and uh, recorded for my uh, debut album. It's a song called Pain, and it was actually written about a friend who was experiencing depression.
If you're just tuning in now, you're listening to A Sound Constitution on CHLY 101.7 FM with your hosts Ryan and Alicia. Today's topic is depression, which ties into our overall season topic of invisible illnesses. If you want more information, you can check us out on Facebook or YouTube. So now that we've gone over what it means to be depressed, what signs and symptoms of depression are, and some common myths that we as a, as a society have, let's talk about how to deal with that. Let's talk about coping with depression. Uh, luckily, Ryan spent the time interviewing some, some students, which we've touched on earlier, but just in case you're joining us now, uh, some students from VIU and also some faculty on, on what it means to be depressed and how to cope and how to support someone. So let's listen to a few of those on how they cope with depression. I can't say um, for everybody, but for myself especially, um, what I find works best for me is going out um, with a group of friends. Uh, I know a lot of people tend to not want to go out, like, um, and because depression it, for them is like the inability to have a social communication with other people. But for me, if I don't have that social communication, then I get uh, stuck in this uh, mindset where it's nothing's going well for me. So I need to go out. I need to get you know some fresh air go for a walk and that mm-hmm. helps a lot yeah just a change of environment can be oh definitely super powerful eh? yeah because being stuck in one is just not gonna help mm-hmm. totally to be honest i think anything that gets them out of the headspace where they feel alone or even anything that like takes them out of a place where they where they're by themselves into like a place where they're surrounded by people who are supportive mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to talk about depression or talk about what you're going through but just once you're there for them so exactly you could be in like you know just a get together whatever it doesn't really matter just once you know you're surrounded by people who are supportive and actually genuinely care so it's really dependent on the person um for some people it can be as simple as exercise for others it can be diet um sleep uh and then for other people it can be like a lack of education uh, because they feel like they can't articulate their ideas and Mm self-actualize. For some, it can be spirituality and religion. Others, it can be philosophy. Um, I I think more than anything, to get out of it, it's really important to find someone who's gone through it who can help you. Um, with my own journey through depression, I don't think I could have made it on my own. I really had to reach out to people. Mm-hmm. So I think because it's so dependent on the type of person that you are, you need to find someone who's gone through it, who is very good at drawing that person that you are underneath of the depression out. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of someone who has the lived experience who can help be a guide for you yep. sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, this is my go-to because I'm a yoga teacher and have been um, practicing yoga specifically for depression and anxiety and actually an eating disorder for 20 years now. So it's how I got... It's something I use daily as a practice to keep myself well and keep myself balanced and 
That being said, I still have feelings of anxiety and depression even with my tools, but I know when to take a tool out of my toolbox. And, and so for me, um, and I know it's different people, different bodies, different experiences, but um, one would be exercise. And it's something, it's like the last thing you want to do mm-hmm. when you're under your covers in bed. Um, but if there's any way you can get out and get your body moving, you can change yourself on a hormonal and, um, yeah, on a hormonal and, what's the word, a chemical level. And um, so that's one tool I know to be true. Um, talking, and I felt uh, a relationship with a clinical counselor to be really beneficial, um, as well as friends. And, um, um, and there's... Honestly, looking after your sleep and your uh, nutrition is huge mm-hmm. um, to just looking after yourself and keeping your mood balanced. Um, and then there are times when uh, prescription medication is an amazing tool to, yeah. uh, particularly when um, when you need when you need a strong tool to mm-hmm. help you. Um, so I've used that in the path in the past in conjunction with counseling and yoga and strong personal relationships and support mm-hmm. and um, uh, what else breathing I've uh, I teach some breathing techniques and it's amazing how you can just calm your nervous system down mm-hmm. or elevate your nervous system if it's too low um, with simple breathing techniques so there's some pretty cool ones out mm-hmm. there and um, and then reaching out when the last thing you want to do is reach out. Yeah. And if all you can do is phone someone and like breathe in the phone and that you've already set up on a healthy day, that that's your signal that mm-hmm. you need them to come and, um, you know, be with you, um, then that that's awesome and setting up all of these tools on a healthy day when you have a clear perspective not when you're in that moment of darkness because your your thoughts are not going to be your best friend in those moments Mm -hmm. your thoughts will likely be as dark as your mood so yeah yeah for sure so i think that the interview clips that we uh, were able to show you there illustrated some good ways to cope with depression um we, we did some research into this as well and found the health guide had kind of a couple of options. Number one is reach out and stay connected. Um, this sounds really difficult to do, given that with depression, people tend to not want to reach out. But I have some tips for you for when it is difficult to do so. So they suggest talking to one person about your feelings, um, you know, maintaining a regular schedule of lunch or coffee with friends when available reaching out and asking a loved one to check in with you regularly to take the burden off of yourself. Um, They also encourage going for a walk or taking a class and joining a club. Uh, Number two is to do things that make you feel good. So when you feel good, you have an increased feeling of happiness. um, And this kind of encourages positive mental health coping skills. Um, number three, and this I think is a really big one in our society, especially with students and exams and stress and things like that as well, is to focus on getting good sleep. We call it sleep hygiene, but um, depression affects sleep by making people sleep too little or too much, and this ends up affecting all the other aspects of your life. So um, 
trying to maintain a healthy schedule, whatever that looks like for you, will will help to keep you on more of an even keel. Um, and this was the one that I really actually liked quite a lot, Ryan, and maybe you can build on this as well, is to develop a wellness toolbox. And so a, a wellness toolbox is essentially a list of things that you know that you enjoy. So um, one of the resources that we looked at said literally a shoebox and to fill it with things that you feel are your strengths and pictures of loved ones and positive memories, um, favorite songs, things like that. So like, Ryan, what would be in your toolbox? Oh, man, that's uh, that's a good question. Um, definitely picture of my dog, picture of my family, maybe my girlfriend, some standard stuff, nothing too fancy. Yeah, fair enough. I think I'd, I'd probably have a picture of my family as well, maybe my pets, maybe like one of my favorite trips that I took, a couple of photos from there, just things that kind of grounded you in times where you were in like a positive mental state, you know? Um, one of the One of the other coping strategies that was mentioned is exercise and it's really easy to say but it's hard to do um I, i've heard it before and i'm sure that lots of people have heard it before that you know if you get moving you'll feel better but um it was nice that this research actually said that the best exercises are continuous and rhythmic so they were specific in what kind of exercise to do and they suggested walking or weight training swimming dancing martial arts um and it said instead of instead of focusing on getting them done, it says to stay engaged, focus on how your body feels as you move, um, or to even work out with a partner or like a pet or something like that. Yeah, I can I can definitely relate to that one because one of my daily rituals is to go for a walk. I pretty much do it every single day, rain or shine, and I find that just getting light exercise and getting the fresh air in my lungs and being able to take in nature a little bit is something that really helps me to feel grounded and just feel comfortable. Another important aspect of coping with depression is nutritional consciousness. So nutritional consciousness essentially just means being aware of what you're putting into your body. Um, the, the tips were to reduce caffeine, alcohol, trans fats, and foods with high levels of preservatives or hormones. Things that are high in sugar, for example, cause crashes in mood and energy. B vitamin deficiencies can trigger depression. And omega-3 fatty acids work to stabilize moods. Um, and then this one also ties in with what Ryan was saying earlier with seasonal affective disorder. Sunlight. Sunlight's a big one. It, uh, it boosts your serotonin and it helps improve your mood. Given, given our current climate and where we are and what our winters look like, that might not always be a possibility. It gets kind of cloudy and rainy for multiple days at a time, but there are things called light therapy boxes that you can purchase should you be available to or able to, um, and those help to increase that sunlight exposure. Moving back to our interview subjects from the VIU student residences, we asked them, what are some ways that we can support others who are dealing with depression? Let's hear what they had to say. Just being there for them. Just being there for them. No matter if you think that they are depressed or they're not depressed, you know, the point is to just always, always be there. No matter how much you try to push you to the side, because that's one thing I <clears throat> I realized about people who are depressed, because I could tell you that, because I've dealt with, like, some serious depression mm -hmm. over my time. But, like, 
people who are depressed or like for me when I when I was depressed even sometimes I still get depressed every now and then yeah but for people who get depressed they don't some of them they don't really like to um have people you know they like they want to have someone come around and generally show that they care but they don't want they themselves don't want to show like they they want they want it Mm -hmm. you know they always want to look like I'm good don't worry yeah don't worry about me but in real and true they they really need someone who's going to be there for them who's going to be supportive of them even if like I said you don't have to necessarily say hey man why are you depressed mm-hmm. or like um what's having you down you know you could just simply just be there like hey man you yeah. want to you want to go grab a drink yeah you know? just kind of be your friend yeah, too exactly you know just just be there just be genuine just be open always there you know cuz maybe you know you could just say hey let's go grab a drink you know or let's just go chill do whatever and Maybe I might open up and say, "Hey, man, I'm going through this, that, and that." You know, and thanks for thanks for um, bringing me out tonight. So, like this, we can talk about it and like and realize that we all have these experiences, or many people do, and there's varying degrees of them, and that there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with any of these feelings. Nothing's too ugly to reach out and tell somebody and. That there is strength in having the courage to be vulnerable in front of other people. There is so much strength in that. That's the bravest thing you can do. Yeah. People see it as as weak or maybe the less progressive point of view is that it's weak. It's actually the strongest thing you can do. Mm-hmm. If you notice anything that somebody that you may or may not be a problem, I've gotten into the habit of asking and just saying, you know, just so you know if there's ever anything you want to talk about I have experience and I'm here and you don't even need to talk if Mm -hmm. you just need someone to be with you I'm here and even if like they're like oh no you're totally way off base at least you've said that thing and you planted that seed in that person's brain and it's there if they ever need it listen Uh, listen Um, just be there for them I would say some people won't want to be asked too many questions about how they're feeling and stuff like that. Other people will. Um, it really depends on the person. Uh, but I would say for the most part, one thing that's really important to understand is the person that you knew is still there. They're not gone or anything. Um, there's always that same person underneath all that depression. And uh, I think it's really important to remember that, you know, sometimes when people are depressed, they can do things that, you know, might upset us and stuff like that, or, you know, make us kind of angry or frustrated. And I think it's really important to recognize that that's part of how their depression is playing out. And in recognizing that, I think it's important to be supportive and to listen, uh, but to also not be too judgmental. Yeah, for sure. Being able to be non-judgmental is pretty big, eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, just first of all, letting them know that you're there for them. Uh, it doesn't have to be like you show up at their door and be like, hey, I know you're going through something, I'm here for you. It could be just a simple message to just check in on them, like be like, are you okay? Or, um, hey, want to do something? Or just letting them know that you're there for them is enough support as is. And um, just reach out. That's all I can say. Just reach out. For sure. Mm -hmm.
Here are some additional ways to support somebody who is experiencing depression. The Mayo Clinic says that for people with depression, symptoms usually are severe enough to cause noticeable problems in day-to-day activities such as work, school, social activities, or relationships with others. Other people may feel generally miserable or unhappy without knowing why. Children and teens may show depression by being irritable or cranky rather than sad. So how can we help? The Mayo Clinic says to encourage treatment. People with depression may not recognize or acknowledge that they're depressed. They may not be aware of the signs and symptoms of depression, so they may think that their feelings are normal. Also, as we've previously mentioned throughout this show, people often feel ashamed about their depression and mistakenly believe that they should be able to overcome it with willpower alone. But depression doesn't get better without treatment, and it may even get worse. With the right treatment approach, the person you care about can get better. So what can you do? Talk to the person about what you've noticed and why you're concerned. Explain that depression is a medical condition, not a personal flaw or weakness. Suggest seeking help from a professional, a medical doctor or a mental health provider such as a licensed counselor or psychologist. Offer to help prepare a list of questions to discuss in an initial appointment with a doctor or mental health provider, and express your willingness to help by setting up appointments, going along to them, and attending family therapy sessions. If you feel your loved one's illness is severe or potentially life-threatening, contact a doctor or a hospital or emergency medical service. Earlier in our segment, we mentioned a video called The Black Dog by the World Health Organization. This video outlined what depression was and how people deal with it. We have a follow-up audio clip from their second video on how to deal with the black dog and how to support people who are experiencing the black dog. We are going to play a few sections of that now. What not to say or do. You may well be right when you say, it's all in your head, but don't say it. Leave that up to the professionals. Be a man. This certainly doesn't help, especially if they are one already. Depression is an illness, not a sign of weakness. Don't be an armchair general who gives unfounded advice and orders. Being thoughtful and kind will never go amiss, but don't try and jolly them along. It can often make them feel worse. Don't point out that there are people in this world far worse off than them. It just adds to their feelings of guilt and hopelessness. Good things to say and do. Be sensitive about how you approach the subject. A lot of people aren't used to talking about their mental health or lack of it. Crossing that line simply means you care. Try not talking. Instead, grow your ears and open your heart. Really being there for someone without opinion or judgment is one of the best gifts you can ever give. Encourage them to seek a professional opinion and offer to help find a good doctor, make an appointment and even going with them can be hugely beneficial. Encourage any form of regular exercise. Fitness robs the dog of its power. Help them develop a strategy to simplify their life both at home and at work. Stress is one of the biggest drivers of depression. Less stress means less dog. Make them a ditch the dog box. Encourage them to fill it with favourite photographs, 
letters, or anything that reminds them of what's good in their life. Include a dog journal. Here, they can plot how they're feeling, acknowledge progress, record the things they're grateful for, and set doable goals. Embracing the black dog. Agree to a course of action to get rid of the black dog. An ignored dog can become a big problem. Learn about the condition together. Knowledge is power and validation is a great healer. A united front is crucial in getting the black dog to move on. As a caregiver, compassion, empathy and understanding are vital. But recognise that you alone don't have the power to rescue your loved one. Professional help is often what's needed. Finding the right doctor can make all the difference to a healthy recovery. If they're going to tell someone their problems, it should be someone they respect and feel comfortable with. Don't be afraid to go for an initial assessment and don't feel committed to continue if it doesn't feel right. If it's suggested you take antidepressants, do your research, know the facts and ask your doctor plenty of questions. A big obstacle for seeking professional help is the cost. Help them realise that the cost of not getting the right help can be considerably higher. It can cost marriages, friendships, jobs and even life itself. Some simple rules of engagement and agreement. Agree that there is a black dog in your midst and things may have to change temporarily. Agree that no one can help them until they fully commit to helping themselves. Agree to be gentle and respectful with one another during this time. Agree to check in with each other on a regular basis. Agree to communicate honestly and openly. Agree to the course of action set by their doctor and to review progress regularly. Self-preservation for the caregiver. It can be difficult not to take anger, criticism, negativity and apathy personally. It's important not to buy into it, except that it's the depression barking, not the person you care for. Being overexposed to someone else's black dog can begin to rub off. Misery loves company, so try not to get sucked into the vortex. It's really important to recognise and honour your own needs, limitations and boundaries. Difficult situations are better dealt with when you are calm and in the moment. Yoga, meditation and mindfulness are great tools for achieving calmness and control. Join a support group. There's nothing like being in a room full of people who understand and share your story. It's important to get out and do your own thing and be with friends. Friends may not be able to solve your problems, but they can offer incredible support, comfort, wisdom and laughter. A black dog in any relationship can be confronting, frightening and frustrating. But navigated together, the bond can become deeper, richer and better for it. And finally, the most important aspect of this journey is to constantly remind each other it will pass, it will pass, it will pass. If you have a black dog in your life, get help, be helped, and always hold on to hope. If you are just tuning in now, this is A Sound Constitution on 101.7 FM CHLY. We are talking about depression, and we are wrapping up our segment with some community resources. If you would like to listen to our show, we do put it up on our Facebook as well as our YouTube pages. These can both be found under A Sound Constitution. 
We're going to wrap up our interview clips with faculty and students from Vancouver Island University with the question, do you know of any resources in Nanaimo available to help support those who suffer from depression? Here's what they had to say. Um, there are a lot of groups that meet for depression, uh, as well as anxiety and things of the like. Um, there are a lot of counselors that are really good for working through depression, anxiety, uh, trauma, things of that sort in the NIMO. Um, there's the NIMO Family Life Association. Um, there's Island Integrated Counseling, which is actually what I went through. Um, there is the resources at VIU for students, the counseling services there. Um, that's most of what I know, I would say. Um, if you go to counseling services uh, at VIU or really anywhere, um, if they're not the right fit for you, they can almost always point you in the right direction. So I think kind of going to an area like that and trying it out, and if it doesn't work, mm -hmm. they can help you find Yeah, show you, show you toward someone who's the right fit for you. Yep. Yeah, exactly. for sure. Um, I'd say there are a multitude. There's many um, uh, mental health facilities around Nanaimo. There's a lot of counselors as well. Um, personally, I don't like speaking to older um, people about what I go through because it's kind of that generation gap. And it's like mm -hmm. a lot of times they, they try to understand what we go through, but they don't. So I tend to gravitate towards my friends and I find that they're the best sources for me because yeah, sometimes it, it you feel that you might be burdening them, but it's always great to have someone there for you who's always around you rather than someone that you haven't really met. Yeah, yeah. that's completely understandable. Yeah. Firstly, because I'm kind of new to Nanaimo, I don't really know all the places, but from general knowledge, I could say, you know, any, you know, any, any clinics, any mental, any mental places around, you know, that could, that could give some type of insight, any counseling places, you mm -hmm. know, that could, um, they're knowledgeable of the, of depression and the different forms and signs of depression. They'll always be there to help, to help people with depression now, you know, even with people who don't want to go there, it's always good to have a friend who has an idea of like what to do. Yeah. So you could, or even like, if, if your friend doesn't know what to do, he could go and ask someone who knows what to do, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, there are places around, even in school, you could always go talk to like one of the advisors or yeah. whoever is around, you know, I know there's, there's multiple people that yeah, they to have, go and talk to. They have like the on-campus counselors yeah, exactly, here. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's, you don't know what to do, you go talk to the on-campus counselors and you say, hey, I have a friend who might, who might be depressed, who might not be, I don't know, just, help mm -hmm. me tell me what to do you know there's always something that you could do there's always a place you could go to well i know at viu there's a counseling services at viu for students and for staff there's um specifically for international students there's one in the international department as well um there's a crisis line that you can call um there's doctors um and there's also the nurse um that's on campus through the clinic um, hmm, I'm not sure of any other specific ones. There's, if you're living within residence, there's a great res life community and community leaders to reach out to, um, such as Ryan, who's interviewing me. Um, 
And uh, there's what I, I would give like a plug, honestly, to Brené Brown. And if you ever need a lifeline back to the world, if you YouTube Brené Brown TED Talk, um, honestly, she talks a lot about vulnerability and courage and, and it speak, can speak to people. Like, and there's many other online positive mm-hmm. psychology resources as well. The first resource we'd like to talk about is one of the easiest to access. It's the Vancouver Island Crisis Line, which can be reached at 1-888-494-3888. It's a 24-hour counseling service that is available to anyone. A more local service would be the Brooks Landing Walk-In Crisis Counseling Center. This is located at number 203-2000 Island Highway. Their phone number is 250-739-5710. The next resource we'd like to discuss is the Vancouver Island Mental Health Society. The VIMHS offers a variety of services focusing primarily on housing and recovery for mental illness. They support approximately 70 adults with psychiatric disabilities in six separate residences. Many residents come through referrals from addiction services. They can be reached at 250-741-0229. They have a website, info at vimhs.org. Their email is info at vimhs.org. And their website is www.vancouverislandmentalhealthsociety.org. Our next resource is the Canadian Mental Health Association. The CMHA provides mental health promotion and mental illness recovery-focused programs and services for people of all ages and their families. In Nanaimo, they're located at 437 Wesley Street. Their number is 250-591-3999, and their website is mid-island.cmha.bc.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We encourage you to reach out to your healthcare provider for more information. As always, check out our Facebook page for resources related to today's show. Every episode is uploaded to our YouTube channel if you'd like to hear it again. If there are any topics you'd like us to explore, please contact us at asoundconstitution at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to A Sound Constitution on CHLY 101.7 FM.